It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on blogtalkradio.com, on drmarakarpell.com, and now on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, July the 25th, 2021, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live in beautiful and very hot Austin, Texas. And I hope that you're enjoying your summer and staying safe and cool wherever you are this evening. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us as usual to make the the show run smoothly. And we have another great program in store for you. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined once again by Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author and regular columnist for Forbes and entrepreneur Robert Glazer. And this time, Robert will be here to discuss his latest book, How to Thrive in the Virtual Workplace, Simple and Effective Tips for Successful, Productive, and Empowered Remote Work. And then also later in the program, musician Patrick Trahan will be back to discuss what he's been doing and will be playing some of his music. And along the way, I'll discuss some of my thoughts about reconnecting to our passion and joy after such a long time of isolation. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast along with any website links and other important information that we discuss on the program will be posted later tonight. And you can also hear the podcast or the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash Your Golden Years, or finding my page on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, for information about upcoming shows and upcoming events. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Spiked Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Are you wondering what to do after you are 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more at a amightygoodtime.com. Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your day with others that are in your age group. So be more active and start filling your days. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. Okay, we're going to take a brief break 
to play a couple more of our sponsors' commercials, but it's going to be very brief, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Robert Glazer to talk about thriving in the virtual workplace. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone, um, returning to the show, we have Robert Glazer. Oops, it looks like Bob has dropped. Um, hmm. We're going to take a brief break, Art. Um, until Robert can get back onto the program. Oh, there he is. He's back. All right. So Bob's back on the program. Are you there, Bob? Can you hear me? Okay. Hmm. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties, so let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. the North Town to survive. She owed so many people she stayed alive. If you get in front of her past, she will. She'll eat you alive. It's the truth. You have a little trouble with your nose. Watch it change colors like a rosy glow. If you see your face in the mirror when it's down on its side, you better hide. You'll lose your hide and I'm going to show you.
make a transaction, you make a buy. Well, it's all in fashion. You want to try? If you seek the truth from the mountain where it grows and it thrives, they'll say she lied. Well, you better hide. Hallie's in North Town to survive. She All right. The we have Bob on the phone. Sorry about that technical difficulty. Welcome to no, the that's show. That's why we have backup numbers. So always good to have that's, a backup plan. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's the, fun, the joy of technology, which is one of the things that you're going to talk about, right? Yes, Working sometimes the simple a, stuff just doesn't work. That's right. <laughs> so welcome back. Um, last, It was almost a year ago, it was about 11 months ago, that you were on last time to talk about your books back then, uh, Friday Forward and Elevate. And now we've gone through this extended pandemic with a lot of people working virtually. So your latest book, um, how to Thrive in the Virtual Workplace is perfect for this time. So yeah, welcome. Thank you. And and look, I think we're we're at an interesting uh, inflection. You know, when I started writing that book and get, got some information out during COVID, it really was about how do we how do you sort of survive the 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 the, the current <laughs> working scenario and the shift to remote work and. And now it's like, what are we going to do going forward? And, and I think a lot of companies have real decisions to make because this, this has opened people's eyes to what they, how they can work and what they might be interested in doing. And it's a, it's a, there's a whole different set of challenges and opportunities right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give you – can I give you my personal experience? Because I've been working virtually since Ab- March absolutely. of 2020. Yeah. yeah. So I've been uh, – as I, I'm working virtually since, well, really April of 2020 because it took a month to get approval for us to be allowed to work from home. Um, wow. And I, they really, they, so what did you, you know, what did we you, would what do. What did you do during that time? Did you just sit there not being able to do anything? Pretty much. Yeah, that's crazy. A couple yeah. of private <laughs> clients that, that I uh, went ahead and started seeing them virtually, but these are my um, yeah, I I mainly evaluate veterans, right. and so we needed the VA to approve it. And also, I guess the companies that I contract with had to set up the yeah. the platforms for us to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, my friends who are doctors had complained to me for years that you know all the patient calls and every, all the stuff that they took you know remotely they didn't get paid for. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so some of the advantages, like I, my my experience has been that I really like working from home and I want to continue doing it because 
Um, I don't have to commute. Um, I like being able to like take a break and go walk on my treadmill in between to kind of de, you know, de-escalate my (laughs) stress. Um, The advantage has been that I put a lot more stress on myself um, figuring that I'm working from home so I can do more work. Um, I don't have that commute time, so I added extra work and I wore myself out. Yeah, that, that is very common. And I think that before the pandemic, if you had asked uh, people, you know, with their perception of, of, of sort of remote workers, they would say, oh, they're just, they're not working as much. They're doing personal stuff or otherwise with people working from home. The, the bias would have really been that, you know, th- there clearly was, you know, work from home meant not working as much. And I think one of the paradoxical things that people have come to see firsthand and understand during the last 12 months is that actually the opposite is true. I think people working from home have a much harder time drawing uh, lines and, and, and boundaries because it's, 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 it's easier to keep working. You don't have that, that break. So I, I think people really got to look at the other side of that. Maybe they had some colleagues for a year working from home where they sort of, you know, look down on, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe that re, re, recast it in a different light. Yeah. And and I think you just, you put your finger on what I experienced, that lack of boundary. I felt like there's a really blurred line between home and work. And you figure, well, I have a few extra minutes right now, so I'm just going to do some work. Um, so we kind of gave up a lot of our own personal time. Yeah, and what that's you know that's one of the main things that I talk about in the in the sort of employee section of the book is you know how how to how to structure both physically and mentally your work time and workspace so that you have those boundaries because those those boundaries are important you know if you're bringing your you know let's just say kind of more you know typical maybe office work you're, you you bring your laptop into bed you know, you bring it into the kitchen, you drive around, so you're kind of just dragging work all over the place. Now, now works in your bedroom, works at your breakfast table. And so I, I think spending mm-hmm. those hours, having, having a designated, obviously a lot of people could not do this during COVID, particularly if they're like working somewhere like New York and really hadn't planned mm-hmm. on it. But, but, but having a dedicated space, I, I think in keeping your work there is really important. There really is something to this sort of Superman and Clark Kent kind of <laughs> changeover. Of, right. of this is this is my workspace, and, and, and you know, you mentioned this too, and and this talked about in the book too. I think a lot of people really needed that sort of virtual commute. Uh, you know, they didn't want to be stuck in traffic, but there was something to the commute of sort of a, a, a wind down, um, and also to having the morning routine. Uh, one of the things I really encourage people to do is to not get up and jump on their computer, and to really like get up, shower have breakfast, have their coffee, have that quiet time in that morning before they settle into that space and turn on the phone or computer. Because then once you do that, everything's coming at you. Most of us, maybe not you, most of us don't operate in life or death industries. But as soon as we start seeing that stuff, we have a real hard time. It just, we have a hard time. You know, we're just pulled right into it and we can't kind of turn it, turn it off in our brains. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was working so much that I was working. I was so I do um, the the telehealth, and then I also write up reports. And so yeah. I was 
um, working till late at night every night writing reports. And I figured there's nothing else to do. Everything is, you know, dangerous to go out and be around people. Um, So I might as well just do more work. But there is a cost to that. Um, I became really exhausted. (laughs) That, 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 that it is. I, I, I think you experienced what a lot of people, like I said, have experienced or learned anecdotally, which was that the opposite of what they had sort of perceived was true. And that, um, yeah, I mean, that working from home actually was, 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 was more work. Um, so there, there are some great benefits to the flexibility of, of working from home. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about what are the benefits. Because you just talked about yeah. all the negative, and I'm saying I really want to stay working at home. So well, <laughs> you know, this is one thing that's not that's not talked about enough. But 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 I, I said this specifically in the book. If you liked working from home during the last 18 months, you you should really love it after that. This was probably the worst time in history to to, to work from home. Maybe not in history because we have some technology and stuff. Otherwise, but you know, one of the the things. We always said in our company, we've done this for 14 years, it was not about remote work. It was not about necessarily working from home. It was about flexibility, and we had a lot of employees who valued flexibility. None of the benefits of that flexibility were available to most people. They were working from home. There was a global pandemic. They couldn't leave their couch. They're running kindergarten in the background. Like, you Mm -hmm. lose all the benefits of, like, hey, I could go – you know, train for my marathon in the middle of the day, or I could pick my kids up from school, or I could grab lunch with my friend or go to a gym class. Um, so, or I could work from a different place or travel. So in some ways, I, I actually can't think of a worse time to work from home than, than the last 18 months, because I, I, I think people are missing all of the benefits that the flexibility provides mm. because they were locked, they were locked in their house. <laughs> Right. Exactly. It's not, not a great. Not they had flexibility to go upstairs, downstairs. I mean, maybe not if you live in New York, but I, that really wasn't. There wasn't a lot you could do with the upside, other than you didn't have to get a commute. But you know, probably would have loved to be in the car for a half an hour. You know, at some point during COVID. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think mm-hmm. that is also not not discussed as much in terms of um, that that these were really non ideal conditions to, to work from home. Right. Right. Cause you, you didn't see anything else but your home. Like I, you right, know, right. you long to be in an office where you could at least have so, a different so, view. <laughs> yeah. If I think about a lot of the people like who, who, who value flexibility, who would choose our environment in the past, they were parents of young kids who really liked being able to not have to worry about that commute into the city because they could handle kind of drop off and pick off. They were people that, you know, were into something passionately, some sort of, you know, competitive dance or athletics or whatever, where there was a training regimen that they, they were allowed to, they could do the flexibility provided them, or it was people who liked to travel and move around. And all three of those groups, uh, you know, were, were you know, in, impacted, you know, none of those benefits were available to them. In fact, the, the people who were, were hurt the most were the people who, you know, wanted a flexible job because they had, you know, young kids in, 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 in preschool or kindergarten. Otherwise, all of those kids were, like, at home, not self-sufficient, <laughs> trying, you know, trying to do right. school. I, I mean, that if you had kids under five, like, there's just – there was no possible, 
you know, rainbows and unicorns that you could have made out of, <laughs> out of that situation. <laughs> if you had a 12 year old and they were on zoom or playing too many video games, but like they weren't going to bother you because they wanted to play video games. Right. But, but <laughs> if you had kids under five or six, like that was not, that was not the case. Right. Right. Uh, so now going forward, um, once we are starting to move around a little bit more out in the world if people are vaccinated and things are opening up, um, what are the advantages or what are ways that people can work from home and, and stay productive and thrive and not have some of those, you know, social isolation issues that we might have had over the past year? Yeah, I think I think it's really that flexibility component. You haven't caught up with your friend mm-hmm. and they're in town and you know, you wanna you can spend two hours in the afternoon with them and go out for lunch. You can go to a gym class, you can go to a bike ride, you can go see your kids, you know, baseball game if it's at four thirty uh that night. Um, you know, I think the, these are the things the focus funny, the focus on remote work, but as I said, that was never actually the focus for us. It really was the flex flexibility like and 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 look the flip side of this like we have an environment that we say is this high flexibility but it's it's high accountability as well um you, you kind of can't have one without the other so we're you know we're of the mindset if you get your stuff done we don't we're not looking to micromanage you know when and how when and how you do things um so so that's really the you know that's really the the the, the trade-off mm-hmm. Yeah, how do how do we do that though? I mean, I know that employers are probably nervous when their employees are taking a gym class in the middle of the day or, you know, taking off to go have lunch for a couple of hours with their friends, um, that they might not get back to work or get the work done. How how do we stay and how do we continue our feeling of motivation, you know, to keep working? So so Okay. The, uh, because from the employer, I guess I can answer from the employer side. I, I actually think one of the things that COVID has highlighted that is a best practice in general is that employers should be moving to more results-oriented metrics. Like the hours that you are in your seat is not a results-oriented metric, and it never really was mm-hmm. a great way to measure uh, output. But but people you know, that's what they did when they had no other, um, no other metrics. So I, I, I think that this is actually forcing managers to say, like, you know, how do I focus? Let's, let's think about salespeople. You know, if I said to you, salesperson A um, made 100 phone calls today and sold $1,000 of business, and salesperson B uh, made 10 phone calls today and sold $10,000 uh, of business, which, which salesperson would you hire? Oh, B. <laughs> B, right, right, twice, right. So, so we need to get that way more with other jobs where we're not focused on on the input, but we're focused on the output. And I think that's what a lot of employers have had to realize that they had to sort of reevaluate during COVID. Which is again, how how, how do we do that? Um, um, so that you know, that's the I think that's the. Employer side, the flip side of that, and the win-win is so if the employee cannot worry about having to put in FaceTime and can contribute the results of the organization that makes a difference, and and again, maybe you close a million-dollar deal and you take the afternoon off, like you know, you you you, you, right. you you've hit you've hit the goal. Um, so, so I I actually think this one of the things that I saw consistently when when I evaluated the companies 
that made a really good shift uh, during COVID was that the ones that um, the ones that uh, did well during COVID had a lot of good management, leadership, and cultural philosophies. Anyway, like they were good at this stuff. They had KPIs. They focused on outcomes. All this stuff. When they, when if you had an environment that didn't have clear directives, didn't have clear values, had micromanaging managers who focused on inputs, mm-hmm. this didn't work very well. When everything went remote, you know, didn't have high degrees of trust. Like none of those. Like that's kind of like the 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 water, the tide went out, and then you saw that no one was wearing wearing their bathing suit. So a, uh-huh. a lot of these, th- a, a lot of these things are actually just like. I would say best world-class practices of, of business and organizations in general to just have environments that are more focused on trust and output. And look, we, we trust you to do this, but if the work's not getting done or we're not getting the results, then, you know, we're going to have a, a discussion around that. We have high expectations, but I, I mean, think, isn't that the best combination to have high expectations, but say to people, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to coach you and I'm going to help you, but I'm not going to, prescribe what you need to be doing every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. But the, this question comes to mind. How do you keep the employers from expecting more than what's reasonable? <laughs> because now well, they say, well, you're working from home, so you should be able to accomplish all of this. So you don't have to commute. Yeah, I, I actually haven't. I mean, look, unless you have a really, you know, tough, Typical buck. I have not heard people saying that they're actually expecting more because they want that commute time. I think the commute time was sort of lost. Okay. The way I look at sort of the, the way I look at the commute time is like if both parties sort of split it, that would be that would even be be a win. So I haven't. I actually haven't heard anyone say. Again, maybe maybe it's just me, but that you know we now expect more because you're working from from home. Um, okay. I, I think it's I, I I think it's more. Look, I'm sure someone has said that, um, but I think it's more about again these these sort of boundaries and setting up expectations, mm-hmm. and that you know now now that I know that I can reach you know Sarah at eleven o'clock at night doesn't mean it's the right thing for me to to always do that. Right. That was my other question. Um, <laughs> because yeah it seems like the boundaries are lost also for the employer, right? They, they know that, that you're working from home and you might be working late at night so they can call you then. Remember, we, we tend to talk about companies as sort of inanimate objects, but these are people mm-hmm. and these are leaders and they're on both sides of the equation. So people can make decisions mostly, you know, how they want to lead, how they want to emulate or otherwise. Like, for example, um, I tend to find Saturday morning uh, a really quiet time for me to get through a bunch of emails I didn't get through that week before my household is up. I tend to have a cup of coffee and go through email for an hour. And I like to do that because, again, I feel like it's just offense. Well, anytime I send an email on that, I actually hit delayed delivery until 8 a.m. on or 9 a.m. on Monday morning. Because just because that's a good time for me to reply, I don't want people to think that I'm expecting them to reply on the weekend and all that stuff. So that's a tactic someone shared with me years ago, but something I, I, I use a lot on, on that. And I, I don't email people that look other than people on my leadership team in a crisis, but I, I, I think that's about the tone and the culture of, you know, of, of you said and how respectful you want to be. Look, I know certain people aren't like that and certain fields aren't like that. And I have 
you know, friends who work in professional services businesses who get paid a lot of money per hour and their clients feel that they, for that rate, should be able to call them any hour of the day and on mm-hmm. vacation. And that that's, that's more of a job hazard of charging that much an hour than I think it is, um, you know, flexibility. Um, but, but a lot of this is, is on individuals and the teams and, and, and how they, you know, how they emulate that behavior to their teams is probably what then their teams do to their, their people. You know, I, I never, I never realized I have to, <laughs> so there's a lot of technology that us, that those of us who are not very technically, uh, adept at really need to learn or have learned, but there's more like delayed delivery. Um, yeah. That's, sometimes it's I, I think it's in Gmail outlook like it's in, and built in any of those. It's a really easy thing that anyone can do. If you use uh, outlook, I don't know about Apple mail, but it's uh, to me, it's a great thing to do if you're sending emails uh, outside the, the, the normal window. Yeah. I guess otherwise you could just put it in drafts and then on Monday morning, just go through and click them all to send. <laughs> yeah, um, I just like to be done with it. I, I like to be done with yeah. it. And, um, but, you know, I am conscious about that. Uh, I, I don't really start emails to people, you know, late at night. Again, I, there's nothing that they can do. Look, there are emergencies and, and, and this goes both ways, right? I, I mean, this is the same thing I find. You, if, if you're an employee that wants this on one side, then you need to give it on the other side. You can't, you can't ask for you know, all this, you know, when any employee says to me, I have some personal crisis and can I go leave for six hours or I got to do this? My answer is yes. Right. Oh, it's like, mm-hmm. but if we have a true work crisis and it happens at night or whatever, I would expect the same in return, but I'm talking about, these should be one out of every hundred things. Not, not, <laughs> not, not, not one of every night. So I, I think right. again, employees, I am finding it a little bit goes the other way with some employees these days. I think they expect all the flexibility in the world, but then they're like, Oh, but I want the nine to five. That is the trade-off. Like if you, if you want to focus on outcomes and flexibility, like sometimes that's going to work in your favor and sometimes that's not going to work in your favor. And I I think you've got to be a little understanding of that. You know, I think also the onus is on the employee or the person who's working for, I'm not in it technically employee, but I'm, you know, the person contracting that we need to, if we don't want to be like, there are no emergencies for me in the work that I do, except for my, my personal clients, but the work for the VA is uh, any emergencies go directly to the VA. So it's on me to turn off my work phone. Yeah. I have two phone numbers and to not, respond immediately to any emails that come through late at night or not feel the, you know, not even check it because uh, I might feel the need to respond. I, I agree. And, and that's part of what I suggest in the book. Look, if you say, if you have a culture in a workplace of everyone needs to be on call all the time and all that stuff, yes, then that's a problem. But employees are responsible for a lot of this. Again, if I, if I see an email from a really unhappy client at 10 o'clock, I'm going to get worked up about that. I'm going to start writing the reply. I'm going to all this stuff, but I didn't, I didn't need to look. <laughs> it was still going to be right. there. It was still going to be there in the morning. So that's, that is what I say. The, the number one thing I think everyone could do to improve their life is if you live in a two story house and your bedroom's on the second floor, you leave your phone downstairs when you go upstairs an hour before bed and do not pick it up for the first hour of the day. Unless again, you're in emergency medicine. Like once, once you tap into that stuff, there's going to be something that happened overnight 
that needs their attention. But as you said, it's not an emergency. It's not critical. There's a lot of data on how much this ruins our sleep. Like, leave your phone plugged in downstairs when you go upstairs and, and detach. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, turn off the Apple Watch. Turn off the alerts. That, that is on people to actually detach. Right, right. And, and I realized when I, I've sent emails out at late at night, um, but I don't have notifications on my phone when I get an email. I have to actually check my ears, but I, I didn't realize that other people have notifications on their phones. So the, I'm the, sitting the, the late Apple, at night. Yeah. I have some so, friends. So I mean, I, there's some people I know. I see them with the, where they have to get a notification for everything on their Apple Watch. It is distracting them all day. I mean, if, if you saw the research on how damaging this is to your brain and how, you know, every time you're distracted from something, I think it takes you 17 minutes to get back into into focus. Again, a, a lot of people are just are doing this to themselves. Right. Right. And I've sent, like, like I was saying, I, I sent an email out late at night one time and it wasn't an emergency, but I sent it while it was on my mind and I got a response right away. And I think the other person was kind of upset that I was sending them an email late at night. I'm going to do that delayed delivery because obviously delivery. Yeah. they had they had their phone on ping. It pings when I send an email, which I didn't expect it to. I figured well, well, they would get if you, to. If you, if, <laughs> if you want to impress your boss, you know, you you do and you did some stuff on the weekend, but you don't want them emailing you on the weekend. You know, then you set them to go like you know. Monday at six twenty, six twenty five, six thirty, <laughs> and then right. and then you know you, then then you're up early, being very productive. Right. <laughs> good. Good point. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, like, what, like, what go, you know, now going forward, um, what should employers be looking for when they hire people with the idea that they might be working virtually to feel more comfortable that they're hiring somebody who can, who can handle that and will continue to do the work and not burn themselves out either. You don't want your employees to burn out either. Yeah. So, so um, I actually think there's a step before that. The step before that that everyone needs to do right now is decide and communicate your company's strategy. Are you an in-person company? Are you a remote company? Or are you a hybrid company? And if you're a hybrid company, what does your company's definition of hybrid look like? Because I've heard 10 different versions. And I actually think it's really important for you to be specific that this is our hybrid. Like this means you can do whatever you want. You need to come in 50% of the days. You need to come in Mondays and Tuesdays. I think from there, you can then start to think about who do we have to hire? What are our values? What aligns to it? In the book, I have a couple lists of, you know, some of the things that we have found in terms of both pe- the characteristics of, of people who tend to um, work well with flexibility, um, but then also some of the sort of like some of the circumstances of, of people who might be interested in, in flexibility in those environments. Obviously, if someone's been in one of those environments before and has done well in it, past behavior is always the best predictor of future behavior. Um, but, mm-hmm. but there's a couple lists in there that, that, that could be helpful with that. Okay. All right. So now we're, we're winding down on this. Uh, you know, I wish we had more time. It's a really great topic. But um, are there any last things that you want to let people know about with regard to virtual uh, work? 
Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's, there's more information in the book. I also, um, if people like visual more, um, I came out with a, a course, a, a version of the book, which is at remote-course.com. But, but I think, again, uh, the, the main takeaway would be, I think that, I think it's up to employee to figure out what right now, what is the best environment for them? What do they like? What do they want to do? And I think it's up to employers to tell employees what, what the go forward environment is going to look like. I've seen some studies that either half the companies have not been clear or haven't made a decision. And they got a lot of employees who are like, Hey, they're making me come back to the office. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. So, so it's probably a good time to, to start to communicate the, the, the policy more clearly and, and realize that if you do choose the path of sort of, Hey, you know, the investment bank path of we're going back in the office full time and come back in by September 1st, or you don't have a job. I mean, you can do that, but I, I, the demand for flexibility is so high these days that I think you're really going to be limiting your candidates if, if, if you have a model that has no flexibility at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, so if people are interested in learning more about this book and about your course, about you, reading your other books, buying your books, reading your, all of your articles, how can they yeah. do that? What's the best way? Uh, it's all integrated at Robert uh, Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. Um, so there you can get the book. Uh, Slash Thrive is, is the book, but you'll, you can see it on the homepage. Uh, book Courses, Podcast Friday Forward, it's all, it's all right there. Okay, great. And uh, I'm going to be posting this on my uh, post about this show on my website later tonight. So great. people can go there and click on it if they didn't have a pen and paper ready. Um, so thank you so much for being on the program again. I think I hope that this really does take off this whole, you know, that people continue to encourage working from home if people want to do that because I I think you're right. I think there's so much there's so much more to life than just going back and forth to an yeah. office and we can have both. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I really appreciate the book because it I I appreciate the part of meant for the workers because I continue I plan to continue to work virtually. So Yeah, we have to um, there's 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 work for the workers to do. So That's right. <laughs> All right. All well right, thank, thank you very you. much. And you have okay. a very good evening. Okay. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye. All right, we're gonna take a brief break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel in your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. And so I want to talk, I started last week talking about how to get back to our passion, how to reconnect to our passion after this very long uh, more than a year of being isolated and feeling like we're kind of stuck. 
Um, and I think it really goes well with the discussion that we just had, um, that I just had with Bob Glazer about virtual uh, working, because one of the things that he brought up was that if you have a passion that you're working on um, outside of your quote-unquote day job, then working from home can give you the time to do that. And so I really love that. Um, and that's one of the things that I really love about the idea of continuing to work virtually. And I think he's right that the past year was not a good example of being passionate while you're working from home because you're kind of stuck at home even when you're not working. But I think going forward as we can get out more and we can navigate in the world, we can actually start taking steps toward um, our passion, whatever it is, um, during that time that we take from work, that we can be more flexible with work. And, you know, if we have a passion outside of work, like, like running or athletics or dancing or taking a class in painting, that we can actually do that. Um, or we can, and and this brings me to the the part about reconnecting to passion or trying to find out what our passion is. And one of the ways of finding out what our passion is is to be creative, whatever it is, even if it's not related to what the outcome will be. And when we discover that our passion, that when we engage in a creative activity like painting or drawing or playing an instrument or singing or even getting out in nature, um, doing physical activity, that helps us to find our passion. It opens up that part of the brain that is more open to looking at things differently. It opens up the right side of the brain, which is more creative. And that's where we're going to find our passion. Even if that activity that we're doing is not exactly the passion, it will open our path to the passion. So if you are working virtually, as an example, then you have time in the middle of the day. You can, you can make time to do something creative. And um, you don't have, you can replace your commute time with your creative activity. Many, you know, many people have told me that they just don't have time between going to work and taking care of their family to even make 10 minutes of time to take steps towards their passion. Well, now if you're working virtually, you can use the time that you normally use for commuting or you can move that time somewhere else in the day that is, you know, you feel more creative to do that creative activity. So then there's no more excuse for not doing something um, to, to either follow your passion for 10 minutes or do something creative to stir up the ideas of what your passion might be. So, um, that's one of the ways of reconnecting to our passion. This has been a really rough year and a half. I talked to a lot of people who have told me that they just 
feel like they've been standing still and they feel disconnected from their passion. Um, And now that we're able to start to get to do more things, this is the time to start reconnecting and being creative and finding something that just brings you joy throughout the day to open up that portal to our passion. So I'm going to continue more with that next week. Um, but meanwhile, I want to go to our, the music of our next guest, speaking of passion and creativity. Um, and we're going to play the music of our next guest, Patrick Trahan, and then we'll speak with him. And we were just listening to the music of our next guest, Patrick Trahan, who joins us on the phone. Welcome back, Patrick. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I looked it up, and I found that the last time you were on was in 2015. 
So it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, that's a long yeah. time ago. A lot's happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about what's what's been happening, but meanwhile, can you can you just talk to us a little bit about the music that we just played? Honestly, that song that we just listened to is um, called Phase Dance. It was written by Pat Matheny, a guitar player. Um, believe that or not, when I was teaching high school, I recorded that. The drummer and the bass player were students of mine, and the piano player was the assistant choir teacher at the school. And, oh, wow. Um, we, got to, we got together as much as we could during lunch, and we just kind of all jived together real good, and we made that recording. Beautiful. It's a beautiful recording. Um, so, what's been going on in the past few years? Or, and even uh, over the past year during COVID? <laughs> well, COVID was devastating to me as a musician, um, but it had an upside to it. The downside is all of my performances were canceled. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now starting to see... Some of the bookings are starting to come back in, but, I mean, everything was just gone. Right. Um, so that was that was a little rough. That was a little tough. I just yeah. I really enjoy playing for people, and that just kind of taken away from me. So what did you do during that time? <laughs> um, honestly, I... I did probably what a lot of musicians did and started writing music. Okay. So I'm actually in the process of putting out a whole album. Um, it probably may be done by the end of this year or early next year. Uh-huh. And I've got with, a producer out of L.A. named Adam Hawley who's working with me on this right now. Okay. Okay. So was a lot of that music or all of it written during COVID? Um, some of it was written during COVID. Some of it's still being written. But mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with just the struggle and everything that I've wanted to share with everyone during COVID, you know? Right, right. Okay. And And since this is the first time you've been on since 2015. <laughs> What's been going on since 2015? Well, in 2016, I released a single called Small Talk on the radio. And uh-huh. uh, I really didn't know how that was going to do because that was my first radio release ever. But it ended up peaking at number 21 on Billboard. and It did really well on radio and is very well received wow. worldwide. So it kind of put my foot in the door um, a little bit, and it really kind of gave me the motivation, hey, let's finish this album. Let's get this whole album done, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's great. And I know you sent us Small Talk, so this would be a good time for us to play it. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about it before we play it? Um, yeah, Small Talk was actually um, written, co-written and produced by a friend of mine named Darren Ron out of Denver, Colorado. He's a, a Grammy-nominated um, producer. He's also a saxophone player as well. He's got a very strong career behind him. Um, he and I talked one year at the NAMM convention out in L.A. about doing a project together, and he kind of sent me this group, and he's just like, hey, why don't you play whatever the first thing that comes to your mind is? 
and literally in about a span of 10 minutes, I had written all of small talk. And oh, wow. so I just kept practicing and refining it and went to Denver and recorded it. And here we are. <laughs> so. All right. Okay. So hang on the line. We're going to play, we're going to play some of that right now. Okay? okay. And we'll come back and talk a little more. All right. Small talk. Trahan, and that was small talk. Beautiful. I'm sitting and bopping around in my seat here, Patrick. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. <laughs> I love it. It's, really, it's a really groovy song. It is. So, so, um, so, do you have any CDs that are out right now? And obviously, that recording is that something that people can download. That is on all of the outlets. It's on iTunes, Amazon, Google, and anywhere you can find it. It's there. Okay. And then any any other albums that are out? Um, no, there is nothing out. Yeah. Um, my record label keeps really tight wraps on what gets released. Um, so uh-huh. I've even sent them some tracks of the new album already, and they're just kind of holding on, on to that. So. Okay, so this is this is going to be the big debut when this album comes out. Yes. 
All right. You'll have to let us know, okay, so we can, oh, we can talk about it here. Yeah, okay. Um, I look forward to that. And do you know where you're going to be playing? Have you, do you, you said that some of the bookings are coming in. Um, anything got, that you know of now? I've got some private events that are coming up in the Houston and Dallas area. I don't have anything mm-hmm. public yet, but okay. private events are there. Okay, okay. And, um, and you're available for private events? Yes. Obviously. So, so how can listeners find out how to contact you if they want to book you or want to keep up with um, what's happening with when you, when you are going to be performing publicly where they can go see you? What's the best way that they can do that? Um, either on my website, which is patricktrahan.com, or Facebook. I put everything on Facebook, so more than likely if I have a performance coming up, I'll, I'll post ads on it for that on Facebook. So. Okay. Okay. And that's just your name, Patrick Trahan at Facebook. Yes. And I'll, I'll be posting that on my website post about this show. So people can just go there if they didn't have their pen and paper ready. Um, so, yeah, well, uh, it's great to have you back on. Uh, I hope to see you playing more now that things are opening up. And I look forward to hearing your album when it's released. I'll definitely let you know when that comes out. And I'm really looking forward to taking on some more performance dates, too, as well, um, as things start picking back up. You know, yeah. right now, yeah. got filled up with all the big-name artists that have been doing this for many years. Um, so a lot of those guys have been working already and. Mm, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, let's hope that the vaccination rates go up and the infection rates go down so venues can just keep booking more and more music. We can go out and hear live music again. That's what I'm hoping for. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Patrick. And, um, Best of luck to you, and stay safe, and I look forward to hearing more from you. All right. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We've come to the end of another show, but um, before we go, let me let you guys know what's happening next week. Um, Next Sunday, August 1st, we'll be back live from Austin, Texas, and we'll be joined once again by Professor of Education, Dr. Zakia Y. Gates, social justice professor. And there's a lot going on in the country right now in regard to social justice. So she's going to help us sort it out and stand some of the the bigger issues going on. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, get those website links that my guests spoke about, go to my website later tonight, drmaricorpel.com, and the links will be there along with the podcast. And you can also hear this evening's program in five minutes from now if you want to. Um, and any time after that by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash 
your golden years. Um, or if you listen on Apple Podcasts, it'll be there too in five minutes. And again, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, for upcoming events and shows. This program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Special thanks to my guests, Robert Glazer and Patrick Trahan. And, of course, thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Thank you.